Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Come on, let's love Him. The Spirit of the Lord is in this room. Jesus is in this building right now. Lord, we exalt you, oh God. Lord, we magnify you today, Jesus. I was pondering a moment ago, because in the Bible it talks about the priest before the Lord. The priest in its origin actually means a bridge. A bridge between what? It's a bridge between God and man. There's just sometimes in life we need God to do what we cannot get done. And anytime you get God in the building, the impossibilities become possible. It doesn't matter whether it's sickness, emotional, financial, issues, whatever it, whatever it is, with God nothing is impossible. And this team has led us into the presence of God. And Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. How many believe he's a miracle-working God? He's a wonder-working God. Amen. Let's remain standing. We can return to our seats. So thankful for all these young people. You know the devil would love to have them, but he can't have them. They're here loving the Lord on this Sunday morning. It's so exciting. We're so glad for each and every one of you. Hey, there's nothing too big for God. What would you want God to do for you today? What would you want? What would you ask God today? There's nothing too big for God. Nothing too big for Him. Look at your neighbor and say, He can fix it. He knows where you're at. He can fix it. Hey, when He shows up, Jericho walls crumble. Red Sea split. Goliaths fall. Lions can't eat Daniel in the lion's den. I know, I mean, no, the fiery furnace can't burn the three boot children. There's power when the Lord is in it. Amen. We are so honored to have each and every one of you. Yesterday, yesterday we have a special couple that, that is here today, James and Jesse. Would you wave your hands back there? They were married yesterday, and we're so glad to have them. So glad they're here. They're going to be baptized today, and we're thankful for that. Amen. And all of the guests that are with them, we welcome them. We're so honored that they are here. And each and every one of you, we're glad that you're here. We have, uh, man, the Lord's here. I feel so good in my soul. Do you feel good in your soul? You know, someone standing near you or next to you might just be glad to be here. But there might be somebody near you that just had to be here. They had to get here. They need something from God. And there's been most days I'm just glad, but there's other days I had to get to the ho- I had to get to the house of God, because He's got what we need. He's the great physician. How many believe He's the great physician? Amen. Amen. I want to say it's so good to have our speaker with us. This past weekend we had a church growth conference here for our district. Spoke to our missionaries, and uh, he is a man of God. And uh, Pastor Jonathan Sanders from California and um, he's got a wonderful family I believe five children is that correct five children he has to pray (laughs) you got five children you got to stay on your knees amen but uh, we're so glad that he's here he blessed us this weekend in a powerful way and God has a word for you today 
He really does. This man operates in the prophetic touch of the Lord. And I, I just think it would be good that before he comes that you would lift your hands and say, God, I want to receive whatever you have for us out of your word. Would you do that? Lift your hands up to the Lord and say, God, I want to receive from your word today. I want God, your spirit to speak to us and through the man of God that you've sent. We praise you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody says amen. Would you give Pastor Sanders a great big welcome as he comes? Come on, give him a big Zanesville welcome as he comes and minister the word of the Lord. Man, does anybody love Jesus in this house? I feel the love of Jesus at the Anchor Church on a Sunday morning. Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful to be in this place today. What an open atmosphere in the Holy Ghost. And does anyone, is anyone here just thankful for the day that God sent Pastor and Sister Bounds to Zanesville to be the pastor, their family, their children? We love them. So thankful for them. And somebody must be praying in Zanesville because the Lord blessed you with the best. Amen. I walked in this morning and someone made a comment about the visiting preacher sometimes getting here at 11. And I said, have they lost their minds? You, your pastor is one of the finest preachers in all the world. I wouldn't come all the way to Zanesville and sit in a hotel room while he was preaching. And so it was so, what a word we heard this morning from Pastor Bounds. I give honor to, amen, amen. This church loves you, Brother Bounds. Amen. Somebody make some noise. Why don't we just embarrass them real good right now? Amen. 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 We honor this pastoral team. The Meleks, the Up to Graves, the Hydens, the Gators, and uh, all of the Anchor Church. This is an awesome group of people. And the Lord is with us. I, I want to take you in the word of the Lord today to the book of Exodus, the 33rd chapter. I won't keep you standing long. Exodus 33 and verse 11, and then we will go to Deuteronomy chapter number 34 and verse number 10 I preach to you today from a great love that I feel in my heart for this church I was sitting in my chair about a year ago and the Holy Ghost began to deal with me about this church and I'd never been here I'd just briefly crossed paths with Pastor Bounds but I feel you know, it seems like there's this prayer room in the spirit, Brother Bounds, and even when you haven't bumped into somebody in person, it feels like you've already been with them before. I just feel at home here today, and I really believe that the Holy Ghost is going to minister. I feel an angel of healing in this house this morning. And I believe that the Lord has come to heal somebody in their spirit and in their mind. Amen. Exodus, the 33rd chapter, verse 11. And the Lord 
spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Deuteronomy, the 34th chapter and verse number 10 reads, And there arose not a prophet since Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. I, I, I've already preached twice this week. I kind of felt my way through the church growth conference, but the Lord dropped a word to preach to the anchor church into my spirit about three or four weeks ago. And so today I'm going to preach to you from this topic, face to face. Would you lay your Bible down on the seat behind you? I wonder if there's somebody who would just stretch your hands as high as you can and lift your head towards the heavens right now. Now, would you just begin to release your voice and open up your spirit to the word of the Lord today? Halisha, tomokatai. Father, I open up my heart to your word. I open up my mind to your word. I open up my life to your word. Father, I receive your word not only into my ears, but into my family today. I thank you, Jesus, for this church family. Father, I pray the blessings of heaven, the blessings that only you can bestow upon this church family today. In Jesus' name, one more time, let's give the Lord a mighty, mighty round of thanksgiving with a hand clap of praise. Oh, hallelujah. Is anybody victorious in the house today? What a wonderful, victorious king he is. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. You can be seated today. As I speak to you from the topic face to face, there is something that is resident within the heart of every man, every woman, every child, every individual that's in this room today that has a yearning to know and a curiosity concerning the future. The future is something yet untapped. It is of the future that it is written in the pages of Scripture that we know in part, we prophesy in part, we see through a glass darkly. The future, we get an inkling of things that are coming. We get a prophetic view at times, just a glimpse when we get into a spiritual environment or we get into a place in prayer and the Lord takes us for just a moment out of the three dimensions of the world in which we make our daily life and we for a moment get into that everlasting dimension. Paul called it the third heaven and in that place in the spirit we sit with him in heavenly places and we get a glimpse about our future, but then prayer ends and the service uh, is dismissed and sometimes we come crashing down and it seems that, if our, uh, that our future becomes more daunting as we move forward and as we progress in life and we consider our future and we think about our future and we lie awake on the pillow at night, 
mulling over our future. I'm speaking specifically to some people that just last night you were laying on your bed while I was praying and you were asking God, Lord, what is it that you want to do with my life? There has to be more to life than this. When considering your future, sometimes it brings a sense of intrigue. There's a sense of curiosity. It can bring anticipation. It can usher in excitement for others who walk in the plan of God and who live their life within the boundaries of the Word of the Lord, walking in the Spirit. The future is something that they have a peace about and they uh, rest in the joy that they live in in the present so they know that there will be peace and God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And He's a God that can straighten out a crooked path and He can heal a broken life. Yet for some who have not yet repented of their sins and they've not yet been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the removal, the complete removal of those sins and they've never had the experience of being filled with the Holy Ghost, evidence with speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. When you consider your future, it's not full of joy and it's not full of peace or even anticipation, but more anxiety and a little bit of fear begins to creep up on you and so you try not to worry about what's coming and the future can be a place of fear and anxiety because your past is a place where things have been left unhealed. But I want to tell you today that we serve a God that can go back into the places of your past and He can heal broken places and He can mend the brokenhearted. Oh, He can set the captive free. He can open up eyes that have been blinded to the things of God. He can open up ears that have not been attuned to the voice of the Spirit. And He can go back and He can put a salve on those old wounds and He can heal you and He can set you free and you can walk in newness of life. Tomorrow you can wake up to a brand new life. Tomorrow you can wake up to a brighter future. Tomorrow you can open your eyes and there won't be tears that come to you. Weeping may have endured for a night, but I came to tell somebody that joy is going to come on Monday morning because today Jesus has come by the anchor church to visit you where you are. I feel hope just entered into somebody's heart. I feel peace walking up and down the corridors of this house today. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. It's not God's will for you to live a past of regret. It's not God's plan for you to live in condemnation. But Paul wrote to the Romans, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ 
Jesus. Amen. A past of regret and condemnation is a pathway to a future of fear and isolation. But when you let God cover those regrets and take away all that condemnation with his red blood covering your black past, he can make your future as white and bright and pure as the driven snow. Oh, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the oh precious is that flow. I feel that flow in this house today. It's going to make somebody whiter than snow. I came to I came to speak life to somebody, to preach somebody out of your past and into a confidence, not a self-confidence. There's something greater that's coming your way than a self-confidence. But it is a divinely imparted, imputed God confidence. It is a holy boldness that's going to come upon you that's going to allow you to enter into your tomorrow. The psalmist said that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. He cried out in 119 of Psalms, order my steps in thy word and let not iniquity have dominion over over me. I need to stop and tell somebody in the anchor church today that past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. Just because you limped all the way this far doesn't mean that you're not able to run and not grow weary. But you're going to leave here walking and not fainting. You're going to mount up with wings like eagles. Oh, somebody put your hands together. Give the Lord a mighty thanksgiving praise for the mercy and the healing and the help that is here today. Amen. I, uh, when I drove over here today, I put the address to the Anchor Church in my GPS. I don't know what we did before GPS. We were probably all about to have wrecks with those big Rand McNally maps covering our windshield. <laughs> now we just follow the blue line. Can I get a witness? And so I followed the blue line to the anchor church. And, you know, there's something in me, and I think it's in every man, Pastor, that I just don't need another lady telling me what to do. I've got little Piper Junie, she's seven, and Scarlett May, she's five, and then I got my wonderful sweet wife, Sarah. I'm not going to tell you her age today, but she's younger than me. And so I, I just think three's enough, so when Siri starts telling me to take a left turn, there's something in me that wants to take a right. I'm just being real with you today. Do we have any real men in this house today? And, and that's kind of how it is sometimes in our walk with God. If we'll just let him order our steps, we'll stay on the right path. But when he speaks to us, there's something that rises up in our flesh sometimes that says, I know, God, that you told me to go this way, but I'm just going to go this way for just a moment. 
Amen. But the word of the Lord says that the way of the transgressor is hard. And even though I got off the blue line on the way to the anchor church today, I'm glad to tell you that there was a little sign that came up on the, the, the Apple Maps that said rerouting. And I see it written in the spirit over this church today that there's somebody that's gotten out. You've gotten off track. You've drifted. But the Holy Ghost sent me to tell you that you're back on the line today. And he's going to rerouted. He that began a good work in you is able to perform it. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Mm. The question, the question that hangs heavy upon my heart today, the question that I feel that someone has been asking is how am I ever going to rise out of the ashes of my past and the dustiness. Somebody, you just feel like you're in a dust storm. So you just hunker down waiting. How am I going to get out of this and step into my anointed and healed future? 38 years a man lay lame by the pool of Bethesda asking that very same question until one day Jesus walked by. I don't think it was probably real flashy like we preach it, Pastor. I think, geez, they might not have even known exactly who he was when he walked by. He, he just kind of ambled his way in amongst the lame. He's got a way of doing that. He's got a way of just drifting right in amongst the lame and the blind and the halt and the withered. Amen. Anybody ever been there when Jesus just kind of drifted by? And he, he looked down at that man and he said, I'm going to just tell you what you can do today. I'm giving you divine permission from the throne room to step up out of your past and walk into your future. I'm preaching to you today to a place where God has drifted in amongst the lame and the halt and the withered and the broken of life. Many have been healed. Many are being healed. But I got a word of faith many more are going to be healed and he's saying rise up take up thy bed and walk you gotta obey God hear me you gotta obey God destiny doesn't wait you've gotta obey him when Elijah walks by he just tosses the mantle and keeps on walking when Jesus drifts by the hurting, he, he gives you the opportunity. But you've got to obey. You've got to rise up. You've got to take up the bed of the depression that you've been laying in. And you've got to say, I'm about to walk in the Holy Ghost again. I'm about to walk out of this mess. And I'm about to walk with Jesus. Amen. And so... The key today is that your future must be faced. Your future, hear me, must be faced. Your future 
Shakarebakata. I feel the Holy Ghost. It must be faced. It can't be met with your back. It can't be met with your anger. It can't be met with questions. It must be face. This word face holds a world of meaning. It speaks of identity. It speaks of transparency. This word face speaks of direction. There's a deep well of meaning that is wrapped within this word face on the pages of Scripture. The writer of Proverbs in 27:19 says, As in water, face answereth to face. What he's giving the picture here is if you are going to see your own face, then you're going to have to look into the reflection of something that can show you what you look like. Because no man can see his own face. And so when I'm reading the 27th chapter of Proverbs, verse 19, it says that as in water, face answereth to face. When I see water, I see the flow of the Spirit. And so there are some things about your identity. There are some things about who you are. There are some things that only become transparent. There are some things about your direction that you're only going to find when you begin to find your reflection by getting in the flow of the water. You've got to get in the spirit. And it's there that you're going to learn how to face some things. But you can't get in the Spirit alone. There's another place where it talks about the answer to the question that's posed several times throughout Scripture or the admonition or encouragement. Let a man examine himself. How do I examine myself? I've never seen my own face. If I had cupcake crumbs on my chin, I wouldn't know it unless I had a good friend that told me. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. You need good people in your life. You need to learn how to pray in the Holy Ghost to see your face. There's this term called metacognition. Metacognition means thinking about thinking. Am I thinking right about this? Am I comprehending this clearly? It's second level, second or third order thinking. My own mind can only get me one or two levels up, brother up the grave. But then I've got to get into something that's beyond my own thinking. I need a friend. I need a man of God. I need the people of God. I need the Spirit of God. James said it this way. He said, be ye hearers of the word and not doers only. Because if you're a hearer of the word and you're not a doer of the word, you're like a man that sees his face in a mirror. 
And you walk away and you forget what you just saw in the mirror. He forgets what manner of man that he is. And so if I'm going to face my future, then I need friends to tell me if I have something on my face. And I need the Spirit to reveal something about my countenance. And I need to look in the Word of God. And it's when I get into the holiness of God. Hallelujah. The Bible says, says that we beheld his glory that the glory of the Lord of the revelation of God was beheld in the face of Jesus Christ when I opened my Bible on a Sunday morning I'm not just looking at black and white words on a page but I'm beholding the glory in the face of Jesus Christ and I'm seeing what manner of man that I am so I, I have to have something outside of myself, Brother Sawyer, that's going to help to pull me into my future. Amen. How many are seeking after the will of God? Did you know that the will of God is not some ethereal concept or destination or like a Target on the dartboard that sometimes you hit it, sometimes you don't. That's not what the will of God is. The will of God's a path that you walk in. It's a path of obedience. When you walk in the Spirit, you'll stay in the will of God. When you walk by the altar every morning, then you will stay in the will of God. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. It's your reasonable service. Be ye not conformed. That word conformed is the Greek word syskematizo, where we get our word systemized. If I, if I don't stay walking in the will of God, there's a systemization of culture, of people, of family, of generational issues, of the spirit world that will wreak havoc on my mind. But he says, don't be systemized or conformed to this world, to the culture of this world, to the thinking of this world, to the ideologies of this world, to the concepts of this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he says, then here's what happens, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you want to find the will of God, there's a three-legged stool that you can sit on. I'm going to teach it to you right now. If you have a stool with two legs, it's going to fall over. It's a little country wisdom right here. If you have a stool with one leg, you're gonna, it's going to be a balancing act, but you're going to fall asleep and you're going to find yourself falling off the stool. But the stool is made up of the Word of God, the man of God, and the Spirit of God. I need the man of God to be able to tell me if I got something on my face. I need the Word of God to be able to tell me what I look like in that mirror. I need to look into the water of the Spirit. And it's only then when I got that three-legged stool of the man of God, the word of God, and the spirit of God flowing in prayer that I'm able to get up and say, you know what? I'm about to walk out of my past and I'm about to walk into my future. Amen. You need a man of God in your life. You need a pastor in your life. 
Amen. I've got a pastor in my life. His name's Marvin Walker. And if I get out of line, Brother Walker's willing to call me and say, Brother John, you got something on your face. You got something going on. I couldn't even believe it at the church planners conference. I couldn't even believe it, Brother Bounds, when you said, I preach every Sunday and there's at least one person in the building that might be a little upset with me. I, I just have a hard time ever believing that if you have a man of God like Pastor Aaron Bounds that's willing to look you in the eye and tell you you got a little bit of something on your chin or you got a chip on your shoulder, come on somebody, that you would ever rise up against the man of God. Amen. I'm glad for the man of God. I'm thankful for the lady of God. I'm glad that somebody loves me enough to pray for me. I'm glad that somebody loves me enough to say, you know what? I'm going to weep between the porch and the altar. I'm going to push hell back so that they can get into heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, you can be seated. Now, now we're going to have to deal with these faces. you got to face them. You want to step into your future. You got to face him. Now, this word face in scripture is the Hebrew word. The English transliteration is panim. Can you say that? Panim. Paw like a cat paw, neem. Panim. The way we spell it in English would be P A N I M. The first place that you see it is in. The first chapter of the Bible. And when you study your Bible, there's something that scholars call the law of first mention. And basically what this is, it's a little principle to understand, help you understand God better. That when you see God mention something for the first time in the pages of your Bible, that there are some rules or there's, you find out how God thinks about it. You find out how God feels about it. You see aspects of it mentioned the first time it's mentioned that are going to be carried all the way throughout its meaning as a word through the rest of your Bible. That's the law of first mention. And so when it says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, that word face is the first time it's mentioned there. I think it's Genesis 1 and maybe 2. And that word is panim. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I love the word of the Lord, so I looked into this. And anytime a word has that I am ending, it means it's plural. It's either plural in a plurality or more than one, or it's plural in intensity. And so the Hebrew understanding of the face is different than the understanding of the face that we have in our Western mind. Now, if I were to walk up and say to Brother Noah, you're two-faced. I just saw his eyebrows lift. His countenance changed. There was a look that came upon his face. You kind of chuckle because that's derogatory. That's an insult. That's an accusation that Brother Noah lacks integrity. That Brother Noah perhaps has a little, a little bit of a hole in the hedge or he doesn't have 
the character that we know Brother Noah has. And so if we say something is two-faced, it's an insult, it's a negative, it's degrading, it doesn't speak well of somebody in our Western mindset and in our Western culture. But in the Hebrew mind, there is an innate understanding that every man has a multiplicity of faces. There is a plurality of faces in a life. It's where we get our word multifaceted from. It literally means many-sided or multi-faced. And so when we begin to look at this word from the Hebrew mindset, they have an understanding that you and I have more than one face. I'm not calling you two-faced. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to explain how to get into your future. But the reality is that we all have a public face. Put your smile on. Smile a while and give your face a rest. This is your public face. You wear it to church on Sunday. You wear it to the job on Monday. You wear it to school on Tuesday. Your public face is the outward appearance. It's the part of you that you want everybody to see. It's the part of you that affects how people view you. There's something in the face called uh, micro expressions. And when you look at somebody, just a little bit of a, uh, of a twitch in the eye or a little bit of an upturn of the cheek, it can tell you a whole lot about what's going on behind the face. It can tell you what's going on in the mind and in the spirit. You can read people by looking into their face. Some people are better at covering up their emotions than others. In fact, the face is it's, it's vitally important when it comes to matters of your identity. That's why it's the part of your body that Satan wishes to defile and cover up the most. I'm not against wearing masks at COVID time, but I suppose we should have understood that COVID wasn't only spiritual, but there wasn't only physical, but there were some spiritual elements when all of a sudden in California, they told us that we had to cover our face in church and we couldn't sing. Because when the enemy comes after the people of God, he wants to defile you on the inside and the outward manifestation of inward defilement and hurt and ache and pain and struggle and heartache and grief and anxiety and depression is going to be seen on your face. I used to pastor in New York City and there's a face of sin in New York City. I I used to live in New Orleans, Louisiana. I could see see somebody in the middle of Ohio from New Orleans and tell by looking at their face they're from New Orleans because there is a face of sin that is in a city. It's because the enemy has wreaked havoc on the hearts and the souls of individuals and it comes out on their face. He wants you to cover your face. 
That's where we get the word hypocrite. It comes from a Greek word. It means a a, a play actor that would put on different masks. And so some of us put our church mask on. And then we get up in our depression face, but we put our happy face on to go to work. And we put our joy face on to go to school. I want to tell you that God never intended for you to have to take your mask off and put your mask on. But he's got a desire that you come face to face with him and when you begin to peel the mask off then there's something that begins to happen on the inside there's something particularly insidious about the defilement of the face and we see that there's an increasing uh, there's an increasing urgency in culture to tattoo the face and to paint the face and to cover the face in various means. What is all of this about? Things that are attached to the face are spiritual, brothers and sisters. I want to be face to face with God. I want to have truth in the inward parts. There is an inward man of God. It's Jesus on the inside working on the outside. Oh, what a change. Oh, what a difference he wants to make in your life. This is my public face. When Brother Bounds and I go to lunch, he's going to see my personal face. I may tell him a joke. I may tell him about my family. I may tell him about my childhood. We'll have some good, clean Christian conversation. That's my personal face. But then there is a private face. It's the face that you and God and the spirits that you're wrestling with, your wife doesn't even see that face. Your spouse doesn't know what that face looks like like, but that's the truest face that God sees when you wake up every morning. But I want to tell you that when you get the Holy Ghost, God brings an alignment to the faces. And all of a sudden, he cleans it up on the inside. He cleans it up in your personal life. He lines it up in your public life. And it's what's called integrity. It's integrity. When Adam sinned, he hid himself. He was covering his face. That's why you want to run from church and you want to isolate yourself when you mess up. When you mess up, don't run away from church. Well, I don't want to go to the anchor. There are too many hypocrites there. Well, where in the world do you think hypocrites in Zanesville ought to go? They need to come to the anchor church. Because the word of the Lord coming out of the man of God's like a hammer. It's going to break the rock of that mask. It's going to break down that identity crisis. It's going to break down that gender confusion. It's going to break down all the spirits of antichrist in the age. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to you that it's God's will that the mask lay at the altar today and that you come face to face with God. Mm. Honest with the Lord. If you'll be honest with the Lord, Jesus will touch your heart. If you'll be honest with the Lord, Jesus will touch your marriage. If you'll be honest with the Lord, Jesus will heal you of that old abuse. Let me tell you my own personal testimony. I'm a preacher's kid. 
But that old ugly spirit of abuse visited my life when I was five years old. Brother Saul, you come help me. Come help me preach for a minute here. Let me show you how abuse works. I'm going to get into Pastor's vein for a minute. He's good at doing these, these, these skits that show you how the spirit world works. I'm getting right in Pastor's vein for a minute. When the abuse comes, don't worry, brother, sorry, I'm not really going to hit you. If I did, I'd have 500 people pile on me because this church loves you, buddy. But when the abuse comes, it doesn't come just by a person. It's a spirit that's behind that person. And that person, probably by abuse in their own lives, my Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost like we're just, we're just, the words just kind of seeping down into the roots of where some of you were at and are at right now when you came to the Anchor Church. The Word has come to heal you today. When that abuse comes, it's not just a person that does it, but it's a spirit. It's physical abuse. It's sexual abuse. It's mental abuse. It's verbal abuse, and it hits you like a hammer. It's like a gut punch. It's like it hits you in the solar plexus, and you can't get your breath. (laughs) I'm not just preaching in concept. I'm telling you my testimony right now. It's like a gut punch that takes your breath away, and you'll find yourself just laying on that, that bed at night just trying to find your breath. You ever notice, like, over the last two years that the cry of America is, I can't breathe? It's coming from George Floyd, then it was coming from COVID, but it's really coming from an abused atmosphere that's in the fabric of American society. And these are just outward manifestations because somewhere along the way, the accuser of the brethren became the abuser of the brethren. And he began to hit people like a gut punch, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse, and you're having a hard time even breathing. And you think that it's just about your body when it happened. That it was just about appetites out of control. No, that's just the outer layer. Because not only does it hit your body, but the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.13, he says that the individual is comprised of three interwoven parts. Spirit soul, and body. Your body's the part of you that I can see and you can see of me. Your soul is that mental arena. It's the emotional state. It's the intellect. It's the psyche, the psychological. (coughs) And then your spirit is that part of you that was created for you to connect with God. When you get the Holy Ghost, His Spirit and your spirit become connected. There's a witness born and there's there's an intermingling. There's an anointing. And you're filled with the Spirit of God. 
You don't any longer have the broken and wounded spirit of a man or of a woman. And when abuse comes, it doesn't just bruise your body, but it messes with your soul. You can't think straight. You can't process things straight. You can't get the right concepts in order. That's why you got to get to the anchor church and hear preaching like what I'm preaching to you about right now. I, I want to tell you, I'm not just another evangelist come through here to preach you a fancy message. I come through here bearing a word of the Lord for maybe one or two in this house, but I serve a Jesus that's willing to leave the 90 and 9 and reach for the 1. And I feel like I'm reaching for the 1 in this house tonight, and I'm asking for the 90 and 9 to say, we're going help you reach, Brother Sanders. They come into the anchor church, they can't think straight. They don't know how to keep a job. They don't know how to keep a marriage together. They don't know how to keep their finances together. They barely even were able to get their driver's license because they could barely pass the test because there was abuse that came through their body and it wrecked their mind. But we serve a God that is able to transform their mind. The word of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The word of the Lord is pure, making wise the simple. When the word of the Lord goes forth, it's like God begins to take some old wires out and he intricately begins to put a new wire in. He pulls this one out and he puts that one in. It may take five years, it may take five months, it may take ten years, but it is the process of God completing that work in you. So you just keep showing up to the house of God. When you make a mistake, come on, get back up. Let's go to church on Sunday. When you mess up, come on, baby, everything's going to be all right. Let's get to that. I got to get to my anchor. My anchor's what's holding me down. Jesus is an anchor for the soul. You can be seated, but here's the deal. It never was about your mind. You just thought it was when your dad did that to you. When fathers abuse children, it's a spirit that wants to corrupt the abused person's mindset about God. Because your earthly father was created to be an imperfect type of your heavenly father. Earthly fathers do fail, but an earthly father should strive to be like Jesus to show their children an earthly example of what the love of Jesus looks like. When mothers abuse people, it's the spirit that comes through a mother to attack a child, to destroy their concept of nurturing to destroy their concept of motherhood because if the concept of motherhood can be destroyed, then your concept about the church can be destroyed because the church is the mother of us all and Jesus Christ is the father of us all. And so the abuse wasn't about your body and it wasn't about just wrecking your mind and confusing you see if you're a boy or girl or whatever, but it was about messing up the way that you see God through the lens of the, your human spirit.
when the abuse comes, man, it's like they take a running start sometimes. And it just hits, and it hits. And it doesn't just affect the body. And it doesn't just affect the soul. But there's, it's like there's a little, it's, the way I see it, Brother Sawyer, it's like it's a heart-shaped window. Perfectly clear. It's almost like you couldn't even tell that there was glass in that window. It's so clear. It's the cleanest window ever created. It's the innocence of a, a spirit. It has of a human spirit when they're born. It has capacity to get dust all over it. We got a nature to sin. But if we'll keep that window cleaned off, we'll be able to see God clearly. But it gets a little foggy through that window. And it gets a little dusty through that window. But when abuse comes, it spiderwebs that window. God, why did you allow this to happen to me? God, why did you allow me to marry that person? God, why? If you're a good God, why is there so much pain in the world? There's been a shattering of your window. That pain is not there because God caused it. That pain is there because humanity without God is in a sickly and sinful condition. God is not the problem. God is the answer to the problem. Thank you, Brother Sawyer. He's the answer to the problem. Let me stand here and tell you right now that I, my senior year of high school, I was suspended more than I was in school for fighting. I wasn't fighting people. I was fighting spirits from my past. And I thought it was people, but it was spirits. I was wrestling with my flesh. And I was wrestling with my past. And I was wrestling with where I was in my present. And I was wrestling with the call of God and the anointing that God had placed upon my life. I was fighting everything that I could fight. God created me to fight, but he says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You be angry, but you make sure you keep it in boundaries. And then I begin to realize that God's got something greater for me. God's not the problem. God's the answer. I'd walk into rooms and just drift into the corner. <laughs> I wouldn't go to church functions because I was anxious being around people. Because people hurt me, man. But it wasn't just people that hurt me. I can hear it in the spirit right now. Ain't no man ever going to do that to me again. You have put walls up because of what men did to you in your past, sister, that God himself is not going to break through. Because unlike the men of your past, God is a gentleman. He's not an abuser. He's a healer. He's not an imperfect type of an earthly father who will abuse you at seven and eight years old. But he's a perfect father. And those walls that you have built to keep men out of your future are keeping God out of your present. And because of that, 
you're here and you just think you drifted in here. And I've been at the anchor for three months and I don't know if I'm ever going to get healing. If I can't get healing here, I can't get healing. You can get healing here. Healing is a process. Healing doesn't happen overnight. Healing can take years. Yes, God can do a miracle in a moment, but sometimes he chooses to work in the gifts of healing. That's plural. That's spiritual healing, soul healing, body healing. Sometimes it's a process. Sometimes it takes years. I'm 40 years old and I'm still in the process of healing. I was sitting across the table with your pastor last night, and he gave me a word from the Lord, and he furthered that process of healing in my life. You need to get around people that'll further that process of healing in your life. And when you do, what's going to happen is the bruises in your body are going to fade, and the wires in your mind are going to reconnect, and the shattered window of your heart is going to come back together again, and God is going to perfect you. God is going to heal you. God is going to finish the work. Lift your hands all across this building. Lift your hearts to God. When I walked in, it was like, Maybe the wall was three feet thick between you and God, but now it's like it's three inches thick. Because the word has begun to slowly erode that wall. And when that wall between you and God comes down, that's when healing is going to start. You have to face God like this, wide open in my spirit. You have to let God see the face of the abuse, the face that you've hid beneath the makeup and the mask and the tattoos. You have to go back to the moment and you have to let God see the face of offense. And you have to forgive them at that moment before you can go into your future. You have to show God the face of your anxiety. And then you have to show God the face of all those unclean things that have messed up the window of your heart. And you've got to keep getting lower and lower, layer by layer. <laughs> I feel healing in this house. You have to let God see the every facet of what makes you as an individual. You have to let him see the facet of what little faith you have left. You have to see, let him see the facet of the desire in your spirit. And then here's what happens. You'll discover that God has faces too. 
And sister, I discovered that when I give him my need, he shows me the face that is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God that provides. Sister, I discovered that when I give God my anxiety, he shows me the face of Jehovah Shalom. <laughs> Would you just lift your hands? I pray that the peace of God just settle in your heart and your spirit right now. Father, let there be a peace and let there be a comfort. I discovered that when I show him the face of my unrighteousness, that he shows me that he is Jehovah Sidkenu, the God who is righteousness. I wonder if there's somebody right now. I, if you want to go to the altar, you can go today. I don't really care how, how the Holy Ghost tells you to respond. You just respond. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. But what I, what I do feel right now is there are a few that you just need to lay back in your chair and you need to just stretch your hands before God and you need to just, you just, need, to, you, you just need to look up before God and let him begin to see the facets. Let him begin to see the faces of everything that you are right now. Here's what I have to do, folks. After years of not being able to function social environments, issues with stuttering, couldn't talk in front of people, getting nervous, even going to eat with Brother Bounds. Huh? You just have to sit in that chair and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. And when you do that, you begin to open yourself up, you and God. Then the Holy Ghost swept, sweeps in, and it says that he helpeth our infirmities. All across this building, do whatever the Holy Ghost has told you to do right now. Whatever the Holy Ghost is prompting you to do right now, would you do it? If you're the one, obey Jesus. If you're the 99, help us intercede today. God's about to take this church into a place of tremendous blessing, but he's wanting to add another level and dimension of healing to the body today. Face to face with Jesus right now. Right now, is there anybody who will go beyond that dimension of little prayers and you'll get wrapped up in the Spirit right now? There's a visitation of the Holy Ghost. There's, there's a visitation of the Spirit that's coming to humanity that's in this house. It's coming to your humanity right now. It's coming to your humanity right now. God's doing it. God's doing it. Somebody who limped in here today, would you limp all the way up to an altar? If you'll limp up to an altar in front of God and everybody, I'll put my hand on your head and God's going to take you to the next layer. He's going to take you to the next dimension of the work that He's doing in your life and that He's doing in your spirit.
face to face. Brother Vanderhoff, I see you praying for them, but God has something for you. That's why you keep drifting closer to me. Would you just come? I'm going to lay my hand on you. God's got his hand on your life. The Holy Ghost highlighted you to me several years ago. You didn't even know it. I prayed for you a hundred times. I saw you as a young man in Bible college. I remembered your name in the office today. God brought it to my mind, and the reason is because God knows exactly where you're at. He loves you with a perfect love. He will not let you fail. Because though you may not even know it, your heart is turned perfect toward Him. All across this building, would you raise the volume of your prayers right now? Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.